Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We well, thank you for watching with you. Lord, we say, let your name forever be glorified. In Jesus' most wonderful name, we are praying. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's have our seats, please. God bless us all in Jesus' name. As we go forth into the sermon, we started this off last week, which was the posture of mercy. And we were able to lay some foundations and how the devil has used the wrong, at times has curtailed the teachings of God within the church. But people term that when you say mercy, people think that you because you have done something wrong or there is something wrong, that is why you are asking God for mercy. That is not scriptural. You know, the scripture talks about that, but later it lays emphasis on the fact that, you know, on the fact that the bad God, God, it is not alone because that you have sinned. The fact that you are a human being, you need mercy. The fact that you are a human being, you need mercy. That is, that is your scripture. You know, the, and and we, but we we'll just you know as we go, let's as, let's go to the next scripture. You know, yeah, let's just go to. To, to, sorry, um, Isaiah chapter 28, next one. And you know, as we just read this, I just wanted to just point this out to us. You know, the Bible says that people are talking, saying, who does the Lord think we have? They have. That if you speak to us like this, are we little children? Are we just, just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over again. Over and over again, he said, how? A little line at a time. <laughs> you know, some people feel that, I don't know if you have ever people that, ah, you know, God, God should speak powerfully to you. He doesn't have to. He speaks to you a little, and this is where, <laughs> this is where understanding how God works helps people. I was listening to this guy, um, I've forgotten his name now. Um, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a worship leader in Nigeria. Oh, he's a, oh, oh, I've forgotten his name. Oh, his name sounds weird at all. So, but, you know, he, 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 um, he was talking, he said he was singing a particular song. And the song was in, in, in tongues. And they've been singing that song, that song, that song, that song, every time God has been moving, God has been moving, God has been moving. not until a year or two years later that they went to a church to sing and somebody stood up and gave them the interpretation in English of what they are singing. But they had to wait on God. See, all this way of hearing God now, moving on now, you will just... <laughs> ah, God help us. See, there are ways... See, this is the, one of the challenges of our generation. You, we think that God has to speak everything he has to say now. He doesn't... You know, God, when you read the scriptures, you see that from one generation, from the days of, um, what's it called, um, Adam, 
when he said, I would, I would, um, a serpent will bite you at your knee, knee and things like that. He was talking about Jesus, but God never explained it to them. Generations upon generations upon generations before he began to explain. But this our generation has a way of, you know, catch it now, you hear, you, you know, he talks about that. God help us in Jesus' name. So they were saying, I said, he said, who, who does he, let's go previous like this. said, who does he think we are? We are more matured than all of this. He tells us everything over and over. And when he's telling us, he tells us one line at a time. Let's go over it. He said, a little here, a little there. The Bible now says, so now what God will do when you would hear direct. He said, now, so now God will have, will have to speak to his people through foreign oppressors. Who will speak a strange language to them? If you are not patient, if you don't understand at times, not all the time, but at times that God can speak, be dealing with you about a particular thing for 10 years. That God, there are things, there are things, there are things that God spoke to me at times when I was still very small that I am still trying to get under perfect understanding of what he told me about 10 years ago. But when you, you know, God, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Why, why am I saying that? I'm not saying this because as we go into this, you know, people going around, but, you know, I thought we finished it last week. No, how God works. It gives you a small snip of something now. You can wait again for another 20 years. But by the time he releases it, you will see the value in what he said. God help us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, you know, we and we said last week that God is not, you. mercy is not only because that you have, you have, somebody say, I know God said you should be asking for mercy. And people think, ah, yeah, that person must have done something wrong. The fact that you are a human being, you need mercy. So as we just, we, we, are, we are going, we are, we, are, we are moving, I'm going to move closer into a particular aspect of this. And I try to tell that, but let's just read um, Psalm 103. This was Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14. The Lord, the Lord is like a father to his children, a tender and compassionate. Another version would call that mercy towards those who fear him. The Bible says this is the reason why he's compassionate to them. Because he knows how weak they are. He didn't say that because they've done something wrong. He said because he understands the way they are made. So as a human being, you need God's mercy. You need God's mercy. And understanding that you would, you would we would begin to understand well. We discussed this last week. I'm just touching base on a couple of things which I said last week. And last week, you know, I explained the difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression. It is not the same. Because if you don't understand the difference in the three, you would think that you know, oh, it is, it is no. So when David was asking in Psalm fifty-one, when he said Psalm fifty-one verse uh, verse one to three, he says. The Bible says that he says, have mercy 
He said, have mercy upon Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the tenders of your mercy. Blot out my transgression. I said to what I explained to us, transgression is not totally the same as sin. The Bible will refer to sin at times. You see, when you read your scriptures, there are times when you use King James, you can see sin written in capital letters. Starting with a capital letter, you see sin referred to using a small letter. When the Bible is talking about sin and it uses a capital letter, it's looking at, at the person, the, the, the nature of sin itself, not necessarily what is carried out. That is why when Jesus came, he came to destroy sin. And when you see the Bible talks about that, he uses it in capital letters. Just like when the Bible is writing, when you read certain things in scriptures, the Bible will use this capital S for the Holy Spirit. But when you, when you read when you read the Bible says that the Bible talks about the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. If you read the King James Version, you see one written in capital letter and the other one written in small. Because one is your own spirit, the other one is the Holy Spirit. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, so, so what I'm trying to say is that so at times a scripture may pull everything together, but you will see that you know, and we explained last year, I'm not going to go through it again, is that in, that is why he wrote transgression, iniquity, and sin. And look at that sin is in small letters. So what he's saying is that there are three different things. There are three different things. And, you know, as God gives us grace to understand them, God will continue to grant us all in, in the name of Jesus. So when we begin to look closely, and this is where we are zeroing in, this will be the first slide. We are zeroing in Psalm 51, verse 17. The Bible says the sacrifice. So when he was talking about from verse 1, he said, God have mercy because I have transgression, I have iniquity, I have sin. Then it began to come to a place, and this is where we, 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 are, we, are, we are going to. Psalm 57, 51, sorry, verse 17. The Bible says, the Bible says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. He said, is a broken spirit. He said, you will not reject a broken and a contrite heart. That's what the King James Bible will say. He said, a repentant heart. Please note that the Bible differentiates the two. Somebody can be repentant and not be broken. But you cannot come to the place of brokenness and not repent. Now, what is being broken? See, Jesus, Jesus gave the narration in, in a particular story when he was talking about a man that was forgiven of his sin, um, of, of, of the, he owed a king money, and that king forgave his sin, and he was grateful, he was, he was excited, and when he got, got up, he saw somebody who owed him less. And the Bible says that he, he, he did not forgive that person, and the king said, I will return back all. So when you see, it, let me just quickly point it out this way as we move forward. Have you ever seen somebody who would, who offends you? And they apologize. Proficious, they did, you know, they apologize and things like that. But when that conversation comes up again elsewhere, they will bring up a defense. 
on that apology that they've given. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. They will say that, you know, ah, you know, just, just allow them be in another forum. And that issue comes up. The way they would raise up, uh, you know, they would say, yeah, I am sorry, but... So that person appeared to be repentant, but they were not broken. So when, it, when the Bible says a broken spirit and a contrite heart, so he's, he's talking about somebody that what they ask God for forgiveness for, you will never see them in any corner justifying it. There will be no, there will be no, you know. So David, that's why David put it into, into different categories. He said, a broken and a, a, a repentant heart. This God will not despise. And that is what David was looking for. A broken and a contract. Now, the question is going to be, as we draw closer, let's go to Psalm 34, verse 18. The Bible says, The Lord draws near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves such as a contrite spirit. Contrite, and we saw it then, it is repent. So you can see that what actually draws God to the point of showing mercy to somebody, it is because they are at a broken state. We are, because when we are looking at this closely, it's because people can be calling out to God for mercy. But if you are not broken, now brokenness is not only just saying, ah, I am, you know, I am broken. No, no, no. The fact that whenever that conversation comes up again, you don't justify it. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to just tie this together as we begin to move closer to examine those two, those two important things that David pointed out that is needed because the whole of Psalm 51 handcuffs on those two words, a broken and a contract. So, and we you know, you know uh, we've read this a boy in, in Hebrews. The Bible says that Hebrews four six. He said, "Let us come to the throne of grace with confidence." He said, "So that we can receive mercy and find grace to help." So, what what I'm trying to point out here is that we talked about when you before you can receive God's mercy and His help, you sorry His grace and His help. You come before him asking for mercy. Asking for mercy. You know, the Bible says, in, I'm saying this because as I go into the issue of grace, I'm going to be moving from the use of grace, mercy, help. It's still the same thing. So when we go to James chapter 4, verse he said, he gives more grace. 
before he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I will be describing pride for you that will be different from what you, what you may understand about what pride is. But as we go further, why? Because the Bible says again, as we, I'm just, just reading different scriptures, Hebrews, I'm sorry, um, um, Proverbs 11, 2. He said, when pride comes, you know, the Bible talks about God gives humble grace to the humble. So the Bible says, opposite of, of grace is disgrace. <laughs> so the Bible says that when pride comes, then disgrace comes. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to just, um, sorry, I might just jump a little bit on do I not have it. Um, I have the scripture here where the Bible says, the Bible says that if my people, or um, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles seven. 14. Now, before we go there, I am going, I'm pointing at something. I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to show you from scriptures. No sin, please listen to me carefully, no sin has the ability to send a man to hell. What sends people to hell is pride. Because what you will see why God is so concerned. Please note that last week we said that the mercy of God is the blood of Christ. So, what does the blood of Christ do? It washes away sin. But what stands between that washing and that sin is pride. Now, you would see here, the Bible says, let's go to Second uh, Chronicles. The Bible says, he says, if my people, now, these are God's people. He said, will humble themselves. Please, how does humility, he said, then before he told them, turn away from their wicked ways. Look at the order that David put it, a broken and a contract heart. What it will stop you from accepting that you are wrong is pride. It is not the sin that you have that you have done. It is the fact that you cannot submit yourself before God and say, "I am sorry." That is pride. That's why I said you will begin to see pride as that's why God. God, see, at the center of an unforgiveness or a continuous sin is pride at the center of it. Why somebody would believe in sin? Now, God is, it is not that sin, but walk into the house of God and sit down and raise up their hands as if nothing has happened 
is pride before God. Because he can see you. And he's wondering why is this person not even first of all bothered asking for forgiveness. But they're just walking in as if nothing has happened. And that is definition. Basically what that means is what are you going to do? I know you said I should not do this, and I've done it. So what are you going to do? What annoys you as a human being is not the fact that somebody did something wrong, but when they now turn up before you and behave as if nothing happened. In fact, for you go as a human being, the fact that you just say, you know what, you know when. Okay, I don't know how, how you, you feel. If somebody destroys something that belongs to you and they hide it, it pains you more than when they walk in and they tell you, ah, do you know, I'm sorry, I've destroyed your stuff. You'll be like, yeah, don't worry about it. I don't know if you've seen people like that. People go, no, what is really annoying me is the fact that <laughs> you did something and you did not tell me. That is more painful to me than the than, than what you actually did. And that is why you would see that God is saying, no, they must humble themselves. Because you can ask for repentance in arrogance. God, you understand. Or, at times, it is when you are found out by somebody that says, hey, God, please forgive me. As far as he's concerned, it's how that because what you are protecting. I would show you even more as we look at the devil, what made the devil fall. What made him, what was what, what why was he chased from heaven? It is not the sin, actually, it is the arrogance behind it. Let's just read Ezekiel. 28. He says, now this is, he says, you are, you, you, you were the anointed guardian, um, a guardian true, for I ordained you, and you were on the holy mountain of God. You walk among the fairy stones. You were blameless in, in your ways from the day you were created until, please look at the word, wickedness is found in you. Now, it did not end there. Let's roll, go on, please. He said, he said, he said, though your widespread trade field was filled with violence and you sinned, so I drove you, I drove, I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you from among the um, the Pharisees. He said, your hearts became proud on the account of your beauty. So, what this shows me is that even though he might have been punished, what the, the major issue behind it was pride. That is why I made the statement that what makes a sin unforgiven is pride. Then you will understand why David was someone such a very... <laughs> What the person that you might call that this person doesn't ah, 
you know, with all this sin. But one thing you would see about him is total brokenness before God. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 57. The Bible says, The high and the lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says, I live in, in, in the high and the holy place with, 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 with those whose spirits are contrite. Again, repentant. At least look at what he said. Humble. Broken spirits. The question is Are you humble enough to acknowledge that you're weak in my See, we are going to, I'm going to be explaining to you all. See, at times you can be righteous, and your righteousness stands before God as, as arrogance. That is why he got to the book of Isaiah. He got to it. He said, Your righteousness is like a funeral before me. See, a man that understands the mercy of God, this man has not sinned by God's grace. Let's put down the whole year. Not once. But when you see him before God, he's crying to God for mercy. That is the man that understands the, how the mercy of God operates. The mercy of God is not a license to continue to sin, don't get me wrong, but I think that that man, upon everything that he has done, you will see him lie before God and say, God, if you don't answer my prayer, who would? God, if you don't, you are the only one that can change human life. There is nothing I can do. Have mercy, please. Have mercy. But do you know why that prayer will be difficult for some of us to pray? A human beings, including me, at times, because you go, mm, wait a minute, I'm not, what have I done wrong? <laughs> because you are wired to think that mercy is because you have done something wrong. But actually, mercy means that even in your righteousness, you still need God to have mercy on you. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about a broken heart. That's why I was talking about sin. A broken heart. If not even in terms of sin alone. See, there are times when you prepare your sermon. And you go before God and you keep crying. God, have mercy. See, this word is rubbish. Except you have mercy. I will never forget, I heard Pastor Shimolo was saying that his wife told him something once. His, his wife said that um, when she wanted to go and preach, one day she was feeling, he said, and she said, ah, she doesn't know what, she feels that that way part of it because but she's been preaching for a while. And Pastor Shimolo said to her that, may you never have a day where you will feel confident enough to approach the pulpit and preach without being conscious that you need God. 
I tried my best and I'm saying this is why you can't learn. When somebody calls you and says, Pastor, I want to speak to you, the first thing I'm saying, God help me. See, the day you begin to say, Yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. I know that. I know that. You, you are far, God. You are already on your way. No matter how much you preach, please always rely on the facts. That, see, at times, you know, I've shared this over and over again with us. There are times when I'm preaching, and or, or when, or when, when, when we are leading prayers, and, this, and I turn to the altar, and I'm just saying, God, I don't know what else to do. And it begins to, be, and you go, you go back home. You say, God, it is you. I am here to tell you that it is you. See. When, when, and I would, I would, I would explain those things. So because it is, it is important. It is important. Let's just go to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter nine. So chapter chapter eight, verse nine. He said, "It is a land where food is plenty, having nothing, not lacking nothing." He said, "It is a land where the hyon." is as common as stone and copper in abundance in the hill. He says that when you have eaten and you are filled, be sure to praise God. You know? <laughs> and you would see, he says, be sure to praise the Lord for of the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. He said, but that is the time you should be careful. When, see, it is not the devil that gave to them. What, when what God gives you, it could be the ability to hear God. He said, be careful in that time. <laughs> because you could run and forget God. See, I'm not saying that you don't speak scriptures. I'm not saying that you don't preach. But the fact that you now, <laughs> there is no time when you are just saying, God, I can't do this except you. I can't do this except you. He said, be careful. Be, be, beware that in, that in your plenty you forget God and you disobey his commandments and his regulations. Where does that start from? When pride begins to come in. You're talking about why David was pointing at that, that that is what gives God, God's mercy upon us. So we are not talking about we are talking about when you have no 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 God gave you it is something that God has given you. He's saying that when that thing gets to a point, you know when okay, let me practicalize this for you. You know when he was talking about food, so he said the food is going to be in abundance. So this is something that you know. Please notice that they were coming from the wilderness. Where each time they needed food, they had to pray. But now they are in a place where prayer is not really needed. 
Because God, another thing, therefore, God Himself has provided it for them. So I'm not talking to you about, I'm not talking about things that are devilish, things that God Himself has provided for you. Let me use myself as an example. There will be, there will be a time when you are, when you are always asking God, 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 give me a word to speak, give me a word to speak. But now you are now at a point, or you are getting to that point where, where somebody can call you and you take them to the scriptures and it begins to flow. And you don't pray like them before now because, you know, immediately it goes to you. So I am not here talking to you about things that devil has provided. I'm talking to you that things that God himself has given you. That's why he said in that period, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said the land, the plenty that God has given you. Basically, what he's saying is that your dependency on God, and I'm not talking about dependency on God is basically telling him, I cannot do this except if you can't help me, then, then how am I going to be, how am I going to, see, those things release the hand of God upon me. That is why at times you would find some people when they get to a level of spiritual whatever development, they cannot move ahead. That is why you then people begin to feel offended when they see somebody who doesn't know anything, who they think is wayward and things like that. God just begins to use them and just raise that person up to say, hey, you know, wait, with all the life, because it is because you have gotten to a point where you call God to consult, you give him consultancy time. And the other person is saying, I can't do this. Could that be, that is the reason why when you see somebody rising, or let's say worship leader, when they are rise, rising up at the level, the, the power is moving. Because at that time, they are still conscious of the fact that, ah, I can't, I can't sing without, without God. They give them a, a, a worship, a worship um, slot to lead the worship. They have been praying from last week. God, their mind is there. Ah, how am I going to sing? Oh God, how am I going to sing? And one Lord, they just open their mouth, and the power of God begins to move. But you now have someone who goes, um, "Your daughter, please, give me, give me the, give me the, uh, what's it? Give me the key. Let's go." <laughs> and, and things like that. See, there people can feel the power of God, but there is no eternal impact on it. And when you be, you will begin to see as the years pass by, when you begin to see that small one, but the problem is that that one, since they get to the top, where do you say, give me the key? You begin to see that, you know, they are just singing. They are not depending on God. And that is at times when people say, "I know ah, talk about when people when people get to a point in ministry, they just begin to no. It is because they get to a point that they are so used to the system that they just think, you know, we can get this done. 
And that was what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean that you cannot do anything. That's not what Jesus was saying. Because people do stuff. But what he's saying that you cannot have any eternal impact. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that we have been praying it. But I would want you to pray your prayer a little bit more accurately. How many of us have had a prayer alone for me really? As in the, the spirit of humility. Please, I beg you by the mercies of God. Don't pray that prayer again. Humility is a decision helped by the Holy Spirit. If you don't take responsibility to be humble and ask the Holy Spirit for that is why humility is not a gift, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is what you develop. You know, when you are cultivating a fruit, you have to you have to you have to walk. There is nobody that God just was and just say, I give you. So you just think that. That's how people just that. So when you say that somebody and all say, well, I, God has not given me the spirit of humility. No, it is because there is nothing called spirit of humility. You are humble and you begin to ask God for the grace to be humble. Why, why, why I corrected that is because people don't take responsibility to make themselves humble. People say, this is how God, this is how God created me. That's not how God created me. See, when you go to Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is, that means that when God gave you the fruit of the Spirit, everything is inside of you. That's why the Bible says, now, exercise yourself. What does exercise mean? You deliberately walk it out. I will show you a scripture. For you to understand what I'm saying. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 to 9. He said, in your relationship to one another, have this same mindset as Christ, whom being in the very nature of God, did not consider it equal with God. Please, when he said did not, what does that mean? He decided, Jesus decided, I am going to work on myself to ensure I take responsibility to be humble. When David said, when David was talking about a concrete, a concrete heart, God gave him a concrete heart, sorry, um, um, a, a, a broken heart, but he had to work on it. That's what I'm trying to say. There is nobody that is born humble. You learn humility. You grow in humility. You take responsibility to be humble. See, there is nobody that cannot be proud. You, 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 he says, 
He says, that is why the Bible, even I think the King's Version will say, let this mind be in me. That's what the King's Version Let it. So when he says let it, that means that it is a mindset you have to carry. He said, he said, but, and I would, please let us just, I'm just going to read this scripture as we, so the Bible says, no, let's just, let's just read, read on from the beginning, sorry, let's go back, okay, let's go to verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by, by taking, taking is not spirit, it is action. See, when you see that your someone say, um, Elisa, Elema, even for the, it is not spirits. He is not, he is not, he is not intoxicated by the spirit as he's going. Some, he is deliberately, he knows that you are younger than me. But he is deliberately doing it. I said, ah, God has just given him the gift of humility. That's it. No. <laughs> it is a responsibility. He says, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, let's read on, please. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and obedience to death, even death on the cross. Now, this is where I'm also going to just point this out. Jesus did not, the name Jesus that you call, and the devil does hope and things like that, is not because he's the son of God. The Bible clearly says it. The Bible says, therefore, what does therefore mean? For this, because he humbled himself, because of that reason, God gave him as exalted him, as exalted him high. Sorry, thank you. The Bible says, therefore, God has exalted him and given him a high place and given him a name above every name. So the name of Jesus never came as a result of anointing, it came as a result of humility, choosing to be humble. See, you can fast you tomorrow. The principles of the kingdom remains the principle of the kingdom of God. Humility precedes power. That's why when Jesus was saying, he said, who shall, who shall, who shall be the leader among God? Jesus said, no, this is how it works. The one that can serve. That is the way hope. So, what I normally say to people is that if Jesus himself cannot become the name that you are using, except he practice, this is practicing humility. And like I said, we are not talking about humility by the highs and saying, uh, no, no, no. It is, it is the hearts. See, when, when humility comes, you would know God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just going to just show you something. Let's just go to that scripture. I, I did it put it, um, the church one. Um, 
That scripture that I sent to you. Amen. Okay. Now, the Bible says here, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm moving back and forth. Okay. Now, yeah. Now, because I pointed at that, I will just point to this as we go on and as we, you know, bring this to one side. Jesus spoke about the church twice in his lifetime. It is important that we understand the basis that we Jesus spoke about the church. Because that began to form foundation from what Paul and all of them began to teach. The first prince, the first the, the one time that Jesus spoke about the church, he said, I would after a, a one was based on the revelation of who Jesus is. When Jesus told Peter, when Peter said, You are the Son of God, Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not release this to you. So it was first of all the revelation of who Jesus is that determines whether a church overcomes the gate of hell or not. First principle. The second principle which the Bible clearly states is the practice of humility and submission to authority. See what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 verse, and this is where I see, you can gather and do fasting and prayer, you know, you can get a lot of things done, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are some things that, you know, it, it is because what dethroned the devil was pride. So the Bible says, they said, if a brother sins and goes and shows his faults in private, and if he, he sorry, um, and if he, if he listens and pays attention to you, you have won back a brother. But if he does not listen, take um, it take along with you one or two people. What do we call this in the modern church? Gossip. That's what we call this in modern, in modern church. But this is Jesus. Take one or two along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he pays no attention, refusing to listen, please look, look the amplified, refusing to listen and obey, tell it to the church. Now, it doesn't mean that you stand up before church and you know, I call everybody and say, hey, no. He said, but if he refuses to listen to the church, this is where, when people are not subject to authorities in the church, I'm not talking about here, no. we, are, we are watching all online. It is, those are the two things that Jesus dealt with. But that is the thing on display now in the body of Christ. And we are wondering why, why is the body of Christ weak? He says that, please notice how Jesus says, he says, tell it to the church. If he refused to listen to the church, 
Tell, let him be to you as what a Gentile, in bracket, an unbeliever. This is Jesus talking. If you deal with somebody, if you say, this is what we do in this church, and you flout it, scripture says, let that person become an unbeliever. We don't teach that in church. Am I reading anything out of what you read? This is Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> see how Jesus now says, say, say, I assure you. Basically, just said, see, this thing is backed up by heaven. He said, What's, what, he said, most solemnly I say to you, whatever you bind, please, what were they binding? Was it demons? Insubordination within the church. Jesus said, whatever you forbid, declare and declare improper within a church setting. He said that this place this is what we declare is improper. The Bible says, and unlawful, on head, have already been bound in heaven. He said, whatever you permit or you declare lawful. See, that is why it is seen. <laughs> oh, God have mercy. I can remember one story. of somebody who came to church. That person knows clearly, and please, this is where God is different. That person knows clearly that they should not wear shoes into the church. The word didn't explain to them outside, please, sir, take off your shoes. No? What do you mean? This is not a foreigner. This is somebody that their wife comes to the fold so they know what is going on. But that, that person, he was, he, he was, I think, a CEO of a bank in Nigeria or someone very high. That person was arguing with them. So there was somebody in trance I was talking to the church leader. So that person, not being bad, that person said, touch the church leader, tell the usher at the door to allow that person in. But don't worry, I will deal with that person myself. And the person came in, sat down, see, you, know, you cannot control what I do here. I think a year, if I'm remembering well, a year, two years passed before our batch are there. Now cleared all the bank, some of those bank people in Nigeria, locked them up. This person packed his legs in our house. The day that person came back to church after he was released from prison, he didn't have shoes to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Prostrated before God. Please, I beg you by the mercies of God. All this ideology of, you know, you, you, he, he, see, 
Whatever you think, scriptures is scriptures. Jesus said, whatever they declare unlawful in that place becomes unlawful. That is why at times people may be in church, you are praying and the message of God is not coming. I'm not saying it's all cases, please don't get me wrong. But at times when you are flouting, you are saying, what are they going to do? I, I, I know, I know. See, that's why this is, that, this is the problem of the body of Christ. That we don't read scriptures again. Or you just read the part that just comes to your head. You say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what scripture says. See, the foundation of this thing that Jesus said. God was, I thought God was explaining to me last week or two weeks ago, last week. And he was saying how, then I began to say, this foundation gave Paul the license to say that I will send somebody to the, de to the devil. Read your scriptures. Paul said it. But we don't preach that in body of Christ. I will beg you, everyone listening to me, anywhere across the world, I beg you by the message of God, don't be too bold to confront leadership with See, this is how God works. You are accountable to leadership. They are accountable to God. A leader that understands anything about scriptures will understand that Paul said, we would be judged more harshly. That's why when Jesus was dealing with people, he didn't deal with them, he dealt with them priests. Do you get what I'm trying to say? We are, all we are talking about is having God's mercy. God's mercy. And there are some conversations that I need to deal with even as we, as we move and ask God, I say, God, I just need your mercy. I need your mercy. So as we just, we, just because of um, my time, I'm just going to just read. Let me just, let me just close it with this. The Bible says that Let, um, John, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that will abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. So what is the Holy Spirit? An helper. Now, who are those that need helpers? It's people who know that they need help. If you don't believe that you need help, you can have the Holy Spirit, but his ministry is limited to you because you don't need help. As we cry to God and look out to him for help, Put yourself in the position of help for help to come to you. And that is why, you know, what Jesus has done, 
See, I'm not saying you can handle this way. Do you know that if you tell everybody in the world now that there is a God who doesn't matter what you do, is okay with your life, it doesn't have jurisdiction over your life. People will accept that as God. The issue is the fact that you are saying to people that somebody is sitting somewhere that can tell you you are wrong. That is the bottom line. Take away the aspects of God is not concerned about what you do. Everybody will look at Everybody was our God. So what am I trying to say? At the roots of everything in this world, pride lies at the bottom of it. That is why when the Bible talks about Jesus coming, he says God's mercy. That is why you saw the thief on the right and the left. They didn't have to do anything but just to take pride away from the roots of them. And one saw the mercies of God God is not too concerned. He's concerned. I don't know how I better put it, but you know, it is not your sin that is chasing you away, but the fact that you are not prepared to surrender yourself to Him and say, I'm sorry. Let us rise up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.